who knows? Yeah, you right, know. fine. Um, I, are you doing this whole thing? Uh, Honus Honus did the whole thing walking from room to room. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to okay. do that. Um, my, uh, my, my wife, I had to drive my wife somewhere. And now I'm just kind of like um, kind of house proofing for Murray, who's right here. Who's, ah. looking, who's looking for my wife. She, he, he doesn't know where she is. Yeah. He'll settle down in about three minutes, though. All right, you guys ready? Yep. Yeah, let's do it. All right, you get the intro part. Welcome to the Carl Landry Record Club, a music podcast from the rights to Ricky Sanchez. I'm Spike Eskin with normally Mootlu, 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 Mootlu. Five. Did you get all? Did you get them all in? Mm-hmm. Five. I think it was that five. If that was five, then that's the right amount. Yeah. Five Mootlus. We're going to int- keep adding one each time. So yes. By next year, it'll, it'll be the entire pod. <laughs> yeah, it'll just be that for at least the first half hour, then the full hour. Our uh, intro music is from Marion Hill, Philly's own Marion Hill. It's called I Should Let You Know. All right. We did this about a month and a half ago, a new music club of the Carl Landry Record Club as uh, two old Gen X guys that like talking about the albums they liked from 20 years ago actually listened to new songs with our friends, Andrew Unterberger and Jason Lipschitz of Billboard. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us, man. It's always, yeah. a, always a good time. Love being on the Carl. Great to have you guys on yeah. the Carl. Yeah, I'm still not going to refer to it as the Carl, though. But uh, <laughs> Why not? That's what it should be. Jason's nah, on weird. board with it. I feel like Jason's on board with it. Yeah, I, I only refer to it as the Carl. Come yeah, on. Right. As, as it should be. <laughs> I feel like you, 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 like the Ricky works because it's two syllables. The Carl, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't scan for it's me. It's two Sorry. syllables. Jason must know the power he has because he knows... Anything that I have that is funny, all I need is the reinforcement of one person to also say it's funny, to keep doing it, and then it's over. <laughs> Jason is a, is a career reinforcer. That's one of his more likable qualities. So When I started calling... J.J. Reddick, party boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, J- Jason also has a really good eye for the ones that work, and, and I, yeah. I, he was early in on that one, and, and then he yeah. convinced me as well, so kudos yeah. to Jason for that. He was the only one that was reacting. He would text me and say something, <laughs> something party boy, and I'd be like, all right, I'm in. The joke's in. It's staying. It's definitely yeah. staying. Honestly, like, it's funny, because the stuff on the Ricky that I gravitate toward is like the 19th funniest joke and I'm just always like no but like a lot of the Ricky is very funny but like the 19th funniest joke is is right up my alley so thank you for that it's always the joke that I tell that Mike doesn't even acknowledge and we just keep going on and then or vice versa but yeah (laughs) yeah so uh how you guys doing you all right everybody good everybody good ready to go ready to rock baby new new jams we got some good song great songs this time Wait, before actually before we start, I want you each you each have to explain yourself for for one particular thing before we get going. Oh god. Sorry. <laughs> Some accountability coming. Yeah. <laughs> so Jason, Jason first you have to explain yourself the timing you wanted it you were good with it being earlier so you could watch the masked singer yeah, on time. You were right. the only person I know that watched the masked singer. Is it a is it a popular show or It is a popular show. I'm okay. also not really like a reality show guy mm-hmm. or like a rea- like a singing competition show guy. My wife and I started watching the masked singer in season 2. We watched some of season 1, I think the finale, but season 2 is really where we got hooked. And it really is just like the silliest Wednesday night, like weekly appointment that we could possibly make. Just just seeing 
someone in a bumblebee costume singing uh, <laughs> <laughs> singing like Fleetwood Mac and having Robin Thicke be like, yeah, or, or see uh, someone in a grandpa monster costume and Nicole Scherzinger, who is a judge on the show, literally weeping. She weeps like every third episode. <laughs> in, uh, it's, it's very, very funny. I will also say that um, as a as a NBA tie in, my wife exclusively knows Lonzo Ball, who was on it as Wetchmacallit. He was a kind of a monster type of figure. Mm. And and also Victor Oladipo as Thingamajig, who was another uh, monster type figure. Victor Oladipo has an awesome voice. I mean, yeah, he, I know he was a contender it, on that show, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He he uh, he sang a very soulful version of Casey Musgraves' Rainbow. The rising water what? Cause the sky is finally open. The rain and wind stop blowing. But you're stuck out. That was one of the ones that made Nicole Scherzinger weep. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I respect you guys, you know, in in I don't I'm not a religious man, so I respect you, you know, um abiding by my, my Wednesday night ritual mm. of, of, course. of watching the mass singer. The, the show, every time I watch a clip of it, looks like a fake show from a dystopian future movie. Like yep. like it would be a show on during RoboCop or Total Recall or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. That's the way it looks to me. I wonder that's, what would happen if you morphed Mass Singer with Eric Andre's show. Have you guys watched Eric Andre's show? <laughs> something about it seems like it would work. Yeah. But if, it, oh man, it's it's just insanity. I don't even know how to explain it. It's a, it's a send up of a late night show, but it's just totally bonkers. Hmm. But I something about Mass Singer, and if uh, you know, check uh, some Carl Landry Record Club homework. Uh, <laughs> watch, watch for, Eric Andre. Watch Eric Andre show, That's and then and then think of the Mass Singer, and then the way they come together, I think would be intriguing. I have to say about Oladipo too. He he went on TNT with uh, Ernie and Charles and Kenny and Check, and he sang a Sinatra tune one night. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think it might have been New York, New York. One of one of the you know Sinatra classics, and he nailed it. I was like, wow, this is really cool, you know. So yeah, it's uh, has he made like a record or anything like that, or is it just more like a like a hobby? I, I don't. I know he's like he's showed up to a couple charity nights and kind of done karaoke as like his 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 talent or whatever. But I don't think he's had a recording career yet. I do remember there was a Pacers game last year where he was injured and he was on the sideline wearing a uh, a t shirt with the cover of, of a Golden Hour, the Casey Musgraves album on there. So I guess he's just a, he's, he's a Casey stan. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I, w- I will uh, also say Spike for your benefit. There's a lot of boy band uh, mm-hmm. boy band singers on the Mass Singer. Last season, Nick Carter was on there. Uh, this season, uh, although he hasn't been on Mass, Nick Lachey is very much uh, playing the character of Piglet. So if you ever want to, if you if it's like a Wednesday night and you're like, you know what I would love to watch is Nick Lachey singing some pop songs in a, a, a pig costume. That actually sounds amazing. Yeah. The more you describe it, I'm like, now I really have to watch this show. <laughs> and you have, to, you have to also understand what a regular part of our Billboard meetings Jason's Mass Singer updates are. Like, <laughs> just come in on Thursday and be like, okay, so Jason, now it's your, now it's your turn. And you know, he'll, he'll kind of rattle off what happened for, for two or three minutes. Before you get to real business, Mass Singer update. Yeah, yeah first, thing. first things first. <laughs> Call me when it's AJ McLean or JC uh, Chasse, then I'll, 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 then I'll check it out. Not yet. No, neither neither of them have been on. Uh, Joey Fatone 
Paz uh, and course. Nick and <laughs> can't keep him away. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's it. In, unless I'm missing one, but yeah. Joe, Joey Fatone, a, a buddy of mine who makes documentary films, no. When before he's making documentaries, he made like a shitty regular movie, and Joey Fatone was in it, so he knows Joey Fatone. So Joey Fatone got my wife backstage to meet Backstreet Boys and New Kids on the Block. Both of our wives went back there, and not us. And we realized as it happened, I was like, "Well, wait a minute. That seems like a fucking <laughs> terrible plan." You know, like, like we all have, we all have. You know, she would be te- even though there's nothing scary about it she would be terrified if i went to meet miley cyrus my wife would sure. be terrified even though there's nothing to be terrified about but there's like a ton terif- to be terrified about about her going backstage to meet new kids and backstreet boys yeah so i was terrified <laughs> so au you have you have so many things to explain yourself for. I'm, I'm gonna give you a choice between what's behind door number one door number two or door number three well, I'm guessing at least one of them is the placement of, of Lincoln Park's In the End on Billboard's Top 100 Songs of 2001 list. I'm not saying anything. You have door number one, <laughs> two, or three. All right, g- so give me two. Give me, give me straight down the middle. Wow, that is the one. All right, how what are the is, odds? How It is. The other, the other two, I think, are, are we've actually talked about on the car. I, 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 I don't need to know what they are. It's fine. Yeah, I'll bring up a different time. <laughs> so how in the world... So, Billboard does a list, AU's name all over the fucking thing, the top 100 songs of 2001, and Linkin Park's In The End is number 17. There were not 16 songs better than In The End in, in 2001. Just admit it. Admit it was wrong. Okay, well, uh, you'll also notice that the byline on that article did not say Andrew Unterberger. It said Billboard staff. And, and Jason, we had a conversation about this. Where did I rank Linkin Park's In the End on my own personal ballot? On Andrew's personal ballot, In the End was number one. So, okay. There you I, go. Uh, my, my, you I, I am absolved of this one, I believe. You so. are. You have explained uh, yourself. Thank okay. I had it in my top ten. I forget where in my top ten it was. I think maybe six or high. seven. Yeah. I, I need to go through the list, but what were that's twenty years ago. I mean I was it get your freak on number one? Get your freak on number one. Number two was Miss Jackson by Outcast. And then oh, there, yeah. there was like a big drop in terms of voting after that. And then uh, Britney Spears, I'm a slave for you. Uh, Destiny's Child, Survivor. I can't remember what number five was, but those, those are the there, ones. I'm, I'm bringing it up now. Now I feel like I, I got really to go through the whole thing, man. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I just got to tell Mutlu all of the songs. Look, all this is is publicity for this fucking wrong that, That's list. true. Yes. By all means. Uh, Billboard.com, okay. everybody. Billboard.com. <laughs> so number two, Miss Jackson. Number three, I'm a slave for you. Number four, Destiny's Child, Survivor. Number five, Shakira, Whenever, Wherever. Oh, yeah. Number six, Daft Punk's One More Time. Number seven, Eve featuring Gwen Stefani, Let Me Blow Your Mind, Better Than In The End. It's a okay. great song. Great song. Great, great song. Uh, Alicia Keys' Fallen. Number eight. Number nine, The Strokes' Last Night which I'm sure you had at number two. New York publication, baby. <laughs> yep. Number 10, Jay-Z, Izzo. We don't, we don't have to go. We, we, we're going to do all 16 higher than in the end? Last we're gonna one. We're going to do all 100. No wonder these podcasts end up four hours long. Come on. <laughs> Last one. 
<laughs> That's our number 11. Shaggy featuring Rick Rock. It wasn't me. Uh, his name is Ricardo Rick Rock Dusant. Thank you very much. Yeah, okay. You'll address him by his full title. <laughs> All right. In the end, it was the, the best song that came out that year. I appreciate you have explained yourself. I'm sorry for blaming you. Next time, take a greater role in the list and make sure that doesn't okay, happen. Take that a mind. greater role. <laughs> okay. Put, put so still trying to get, he's still trying to get to the edge. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's okay. All right. All right. So. For New Music Club, instead of three old albums, we have AU and Jason bring us five new songs. And Moot and I listen, and we talk about the songs. The five songs are Carly Pierce's 29, Imagine Dragons' Cutthroat, Kali Yukis. Did I say that right? Uchis, yeah. I think. Uchis. Uchis. Yeah. yeah. Uchis. Kali Uchis. Uh, Telepatia. Telepatia. Ooh, the next one. Glaive and Eric Doa. Yeah, I actually have no idea on this one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cloak and Dagger is the song, and Justin Bieber's Hold On. Which one do you guys want to start with? Uh, we're gonna start at the top. I'll do, I'll do, uh, I'll do the Carly Pierce song yeah. first. But for me, 29 is the year that I got married and divorced. Held on for love, but I still fell so yeah, Carly Pierce. She's you know, a country singer-songwriter. She's been around for maybe about a half decade. She had one very big country radio hit, I think, three years ago. Uh, a song called "Every Little Thing." Really good song. So ballad song. Uh, not not like an automatic sort of knockout hit, but kind of you know worked its way in there. And it it was one of the bigger country hits of that year. But as is often sort of the case in country, mainstream country in particular, you get a lot of these sort of examples of uh, singer-songwriters, particularly female singer-songwriters, who have one hit and then kind of float around the industry after that and you know they get they get brought out for award shows and kind of as representatives of of mainstream country but they don't have the kind of consistent radio success of their male counterparts they'll, they'll kind of get token airplay but not the same sort of you know artists like uh like blake shelton or uh luke bryan know every song they do they put out goes to number one sort of as a as a kind of kind of a cost of doing business it's just uh they get they, they release their song go straight up the charts Time for the next one, uh, but the, there's only two or three female singer-songwriters on that same sort of level. So she's she's kind of stuck in that B list, and it's unfortunate because I think she's getting to be one, one of the more interesting singer-songwriters in country. And uh, in her personal life, she was married to another kind of B B level country artist named Michael Ray. Uh, they got married in late 2019, and they got divorced in mid 2020. I guess kind of at the height of the pandemic. And she did this uh, mini album about it. It's an album called 29. This is the title track we're talking about. It's a song called 29. And it's just this really devastating divorce song. Uh, just sort of not, not even so much about the divorce or the breakup itself, but just kind of what it says about her and her place in life at this point, where it's, it's, it's a really great distillation of that sort of feeling when like you, you actually think you have things figured out for a little while and then something kind of turns upside down on you and all of a sudden you realize you don't know anything and you're older than you think and you're, you're kind of not sure what comes next. And it's this really kind of sighingly beautiful song. It kind of sounds like Casey Musgraves to a certain extent uh, and has a lot of the same sort of sharp lyrical detail. And there, there are some lyrics in this song that I think are just absolute knockouts that one, you know, from a miss to a missus then the other way around, the year I was going to live it up, now I'm never going to live it down. Like that's some country shit right there. Like that, that's just a, a perfect lyric. And the entire EP is really great. Uh, you know, a couple other songs sort of touching on, on the divorce. Uh, nothing really explicit, nothing really like you know, kind of gossipy or, 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 you know, headline grabby in that sort of way, but just really deeply felt songs. And of course, it's been completely ignored commercially. I haven't even really seen that much discussion about it critically, but I think it's one of the best releases this year, and this, this is my favorite song from it. 
I love this song. This is just such a well-written tune. Sort of an interesting song about kind of early midlife crisis almost. I mean, or early life crisis in a way, but you're talking about AU. It's like that thing of that frustration and, and pressure of feeling like you need to be in a certain place by a certain time. You're like, I think everyone has felt that and feels that in different times. And I just love a song that's whatever the, you know, in her case it was a divorce, whatever she's going through, but it's immediately relatable in a broad way. And I just, I love her voice. Like she's got this like kind of effortless kind of clarity in the way she delivers each line. You catch the nuance of each line. And just from a production standpoint, there's that string line that's all through the record. And, uh, you know, sometimes strings get mixed a little lower and you kind of feel the strings more than you hear them. But in this in this track, it's like they're real high up in the mix. It's a great kind of counter melody to what she does. And just, uh, yeah, I really love this tune. This was this was a great pick. Really quickly, uh, one of the one of my favorite things about doing this kind of five song uh, round robin. Well, I, I guess when when we did it for the year end, we got all of your your picks. But just in terms of having AU pick this song, like I I wrote about this project when it came out. Um, I want to say a few weeks ago, maybe even more than a month ago, and I I, I liked it a lot. And then AU picked this song to to talk about tonight, and I listened to it again. I was like, wow, okay, like it really must have resonated with him. And I listened to it a little bit cl- more closely, read the lyrics a little bit more closely, and I was like, damn, this song. This song is, I mean, it's a home run. Like I, I, Casey Musgraves is an easy touch point, um, but I think that just the personality, just the disappointment, everything about it just just works really well. When we do these, no, 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 no. <laughs> when we when we do this pod, we always try to find like it's not about saying what you don't like; it's what you're saying, what you do. But it doesn't resonate with me. Just hmm. being honest, hmm. I can hear. Here's the thing for me, a very standard issue pop song, like a standard issue boy band style, you know, three minute, 19 second pop song. I could listen to a hundred of those with different words, all standard and like every single one of them. These songs, there's something about the twang and like, uh, like the affect on a country singer's voice. And boy, Jason knows I like sad boy bullshit, but like the sort of like, Woe is me know, lyrics. I do know that, yeah. The woe is me lyrics, it, it all just, it seems like in country, it seems like a put on to me, even though she's not lying. And So, so sorry, it, you feel this way basically about, about all country vocal affectation? Yeah. I, okay. there's, there's been, honestly, the only two country songs that I've ever liked, like legitimately liked, is Amazed by Lone Star. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're laughing. That, that <laughs> well, it's like amazing. the poppiest country song that there's ever been. Well, sure, but, but yeah. that, it, that explains it, right? right and then yeah. the other one was there's a country remake of Tony Rich's uh, Nobody Knows. Oh, okay. Even if nobody knows, I'm crying inside. Nobody knows me. I can see that. Oh, that's a great sure. song. That is a great song. So, so I can tell it's a good song. I can, like, all of those things, I can tell she's a good singer. Like, she's talking about drinking more whiskey and paying mortgages, and I'm like, oh, my God, get in your truck with your fucking gun. Like, that, that, that's what's going through my head, and I can't, like, the difference between Hootie and the Blowfish and a country band is really, really slim. 
You know, True. it's an affect on the voice. It's a little bit in the guitar playing, but it could essentially be the same thing. If you put that affect on the voice, I don't like mm. it. And if you take it off, I do. Yeah, and and I, that's sort of I, I, I have experience with this. My girlfriend has. Uh, I sort of. I sort of compare her feelings about country to like someone who has a cilantro out. You know, there's, there's some people yes. who like like taste like a small bit of cilantro <laughs> in anything, and then like yes. they just can't eat it under any circumstances. Yep. She's the same way with country music. So yeah. like, like even songs that I don't even think of as being country songs, but they are by country artists. She can tell. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I I I understand that there are people who feel this way. I don't personally relate to it, but but I but I get it. I don't want to be that person. I've listened to enough. We actually used to own our our com- Odyssey used to own a country station in Philadelphia. Oh wait, there was another one. Girl Crush. Yeah, sure, a little, little big time. Okay, so that's, three. It's three songs. Three. Girl, <laughs> girl Crush is a fucking jam. All right. And actually, we're going to have to find the fourth. Uh, that, that, that's Jason and I's homework for the next time is to find the fourth uh, country that, song. That, that song is great. What about yeah. uh, Honka Tonk so, Badonka Donk? No? I, I don't know that one. <laughs> Classic. Um, all right. Honka Tonk Badonka Donk. Keeping Burby rhythm. That is All a right. good jam, actually. That's a great. I mean, it's not a great song, but it's a fun song if you've ever heard it. Honky Hon- tonk, but donk a donk. Oh, I don't know it. Which I, th- I believe was a pretty big hit, wasn't oh, yeah. it? it yeah, mid aughts, uh, Trace Atkins. All right, next one. You guys pick. All right, okay. uh, I'll go with Glaive uh, and Eric Doa, Cloak, er- Cloak and Dagger. I- Fuck you up, you out in hell. I know you never care, but I'm still doing well. I got a lot of stories now that I'll never tell. And I I don't really know that much about Eric Doa. It, it seems like a uh, he uh, seems like a just a rapper who's who's featured on this song. But I wanted to highlight something from Glaive, who is a 15 year old. He he might have turned 16 over the past month or two. But I but I wow. he he kind of made his name as a 15 year old who uh, from North Carolina who just started making music during the pandemic. So just over the past year, I think this, I think this kid's like a genius when it comes to pop songwriting. And, and I think that I've been impressed by everything he he's put out. He's put out, I believe two EPs, um, Cloak and Dagger. He he's put out a new single since Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger came out in, I believe January, but I wanted to highlight it for you because it really comes across when you listen to multiple Glaive songs um, because all the, the hooks are just so immediate and they really kind of they, – they're part of this kind of new fabric of, of pop called hyper pop and, and AU and I talk about this a lot just in terms of kind of a, a sped up sound, uh, a very youthful sounding approach to pop, uh, very kind of glitchy, computerized. I'm generalizing a little bit but – just vet like you know two minute songs two and a half minute songs get their hooks and their point across really quickly he folds into that a little bit um but even with songs that are a little bit more traditional he just completely understands songwriting to to such a staggering degree at, at that age i wanted to throw out cloak and dagger because you you listen to that chorus and it's a chorus that you can remember just 
you know, halfway through the song, like you can imagine, you can immediately and magically pick it up and kind of run with it. And it gets stuck in my head all the time. And I think that he's just getting started. Like I, I, I think in five years, Cloak and Dagger will be like his 30th best song. <laughs> but I think that there's so much promise in what he's doing. And just the last thing I'll say is just from a vocal affectation, he kind of, you know, he, he does this thing where he, he doesn't really enunciate. He kind of slurs when he his delivery. But I think it really works with a song like Cloak and Dagger because it's just so pissed off. Like the way he goes, fuck you, I hope you rot in hell. Like the way his, his voice like rides up and down, that just that affectation gets stuck in my head. And it's just so effortless and clever. And um, yeah, this feels like a song Spike hates, but you know, I, I, I love it. <laughs> Nobody can write a hook like "fuck you." I hope you rot in hell like a fifteen-year-old. Yeah, there you go. Boy, you know, <laughs> I, it, it actually reminded me—not it sonically, but it reminded me of mood. There's like, oh, here's a song that's instantly catchy. The minute that I'm about to give up on it, we're in the second chorus already, and I've remembered it already. Um, I, I do think that these songs are, it's interesting that the time in our history when they're popping up, because I do feel like there will be so many of them, and they'll be just so disposable, and I'm curious as to like who ends up coming out of this, whatever whatever this this trend is, as actually like a lifetime artist. I like I liked it. I, oh it wow! Was, okay, I'm well, very surprised by that. Well, it's all it's all hook. I I don't and and again. As somebody who Moot and I were talking, I forget whether it was like last pod or the pod, or maybe it was on the Ricky. I don't know. All I do is talk. That we're, <laughs> I, I was saying that that any movie that is a male coming of age movie, I end up liking just because it's so relatable. So a song like this, I, I just is almost like the coming a, a coming of age movie, a coming of age movie song or something. So I, you know, I was the hook is very pop punk. It's you know the the lines are are very are very thin between all this stuff. So I thought it was good. I love I, I fucking love this song. It, it's it's yeah. mostly about the chorus for sure. Like I had, I had to even look up I had to look up the lyrics of the verses to even understand what they were. So yeah, I can't say I got a ton out of those, but yeah, it's. I, I am sort of a sucker for choruses that say things that I would never say out loud or, or never even really think. Like I've, ne I've never really been this person. Like I would, I'd, even when I was a teenager, I wasn't really like that. But I would love songs like this. And yeah, there's just, there's just something about it. The, the, the sort of the rhythm of it, uh, the, the sing-songiness of it. It's 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 a sticker for sure. And uh, yeah, like as Jason said, he's got a bunch of other songs that are on a similar level of catchiness and I, I didn't even realize he was that young. I knew he was young, but I didn't realize he was like, you know, sophomore high school young. So definitely very excited to see what happens with him moving forward. Yeah. I, I liked it. Uh, it took me a few times through, you know, <laughs> you're, really, too, you're too kind of a soul. Dude. No, well, the yeah. thing is the thing, the thing is this, it's not my favorite of the five, yeah. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> uh, but, but actually it is one of those songs like the more, it's only two minutes long. Yeah. So the more you listen, you, you I dig. There's this like ambient sounding kind of synth pad that keeps coming back. It's a secretly I, pretty song. Yeah, it is. It's it's really interesting because it's like it comes at the top of the tune. Every time attention builds up in the song, this like pad comes back. It's almost it's weird to say it's like a two minute song that has like synth pad interludes, but that's kind of what it is. I also like the, this this combination of like a song that feels really angry and spiteful. 
you know, but also has this like prettiness in the production. So it's mm-hmm. a weird sort of compelling contradiction in what's happening musically and what's being said lyrically. And like you guys all said, I mean, you got to take some courage to like tell someone to go rot in hell <laughs> in a song, <laughs> you know, especially know, knowing that probably the person that he's referring to is out there somewhere receiving this you know <laughs> so yeah, it's well. like so give us some props for that too so no it's it's a fun tune i think it's it's a kind of song that like you listen to a few times and then that hook is just it's stuck in your head just like mood very fun, fun fact fun <laughs> fact about this song this song glaive is a huge lincoln park fan and he wrote this song after reading billboard's 100 best songs of 2001 <laughs> oh. <laughs> little known fact Wow. wow. Well done. Yeah. Well, I was buying that. Oh, I was buying that all the way I up was all it. in with you until yeah. right then. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I think uh, to pull up something that we say on the pod sometimes, I think officially this sort of song is, would you say it is grip it, rip it, and move on? A song like this? This is a grip it, rip it, and move on. Put yeah. the Carl Landry Record Club stamp of grip it, rip yeah. it, and move on yeah. for this. Absolutely. 100%. What's next? All right, next we got uh, Cutthroat by Imagine Dragons, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying that I don't expect anybody to like this song except for me. I'm so misunderstood, but I live for this. My money's good, and I came to win. So step on up, I promise you, only one of us gonna make a lot alive, and it's not you. Only one of us, only one of us gonna make a lot alive, and it's not you. I wouldn't even necessarily call it a... a Good. No, I, I would call it a good song. But I certainly wouldn't call it a great song. Oh, don't uh, qualify it. You like it. Come I do on. like it. No, I do like All it right. for sure. Uh, and I kind of, I kind of like Imagine Dragons in general. I have a sort of soft spot for them. I'm always kind of rooting for them. LeBron's uh, favorite band, if you remember that commercial. I, I do not remember that commercial, <laughs> but I'll have to reacquaint myself afterwards. But they, they, they've yeah. sort of inherited the mantle from Nickelback as kind of the go-to punchline rock band because they're they're that band now. They're the the band that's like so massive that liking them says nothing about yourself and that their songs kind of blend into the ether of, of, uh, of popular music. They do have some good songs. I, I, I'm especially a fan of their first album, Night Visions, which I, Spike, you'll appreciate this. I, I often refer to as the hysteria of streaming rock Whoa. in terms of just <laughs> the album with like four or five just massive hit songs on it. And the album tracks are strong, too. And it's just it's, it's arena rock for the teens. You know, it doesn't doesn't sound like the same sort of chest beating rock anthems. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's got hip hop in there. It's got pop in there. And, and, it, and it still rocks. And if you see them live, they basically do seem like an arena rock band still. And some of their songs are good since then. But some of them are very, very vague and sort of kind of bland. Uh, you know, the songs that kind of sound like everything and then by, by, by result actually sound like nothing. And they released two songs recently. There were two pack of songs. One of them, Follow You, was the A-side, and it is maybe the ultimate example of one of these nothing uh, Imagine Dragons songs. Like, you, you can listen to the song 20 times and not remember a thing about it. It just sort of, it, it sounds kind of like an auto-generated uh, Imagine Dragons sort of crossover radio song. And it's doing fine. It's not going to set the world on fire, but I'm sure it's going to get more listens than this next song, which is absolutely insane. It's a, a cutthroat. It's it's one of the most bonkers songs that they've ever done. Uh, it's you know Dan Reynolds is kind of shrieking within an inch of his life. It's almost it's almost painful to listen to him sing because you can kind of feel the scratchiness in the throat, <laughs> and uh, the, the the lyrics are, are are nuts, and the production is kind of all over the place. But like 
every time I'm sort of ready to give up on Imagine Dragons, they come out with a song like this. It's like, okay, there's a real band in there somewhere. And, the, and like, these are the songs that they're probably kind of wanting to make, but, you know, uh, commercial concessions and being the biggest rock band in America forces them to kind of hew more towards the, the middle most of the time. But when they, when they kind of fray out to the edges like this, I, I think they're really kind of fucking cool and interesting. So I, I like the song a lot. But again, I wouldn't, nece- I wouldn't necessarily expect anybody else to feel the same way because it's, it's, it's an out there song. Them being hated on kind of reminds me of when I woke up and everybody hated Macklemore, and I was like, what the fuck happened? Like, why does everybody hate Macklemore? <laughs> oh, and there, there are reasons I, for that, too. But uh. um, Imagine Dragons, well, but, like, whatever. Yeah, imagine, <laughs> imagine Dragons, to me, everybody was like, when everybody started hating them, I was like, I don't know, when I turn on alternative radio, the whole fucking station sounds like Imagine Dragons to me. Like, what, mm. what, what are you picking them out for? So this song reminded me of a bunch of different things. I kind of like it, actually. Wow, okay. Wow. Now we're rolling. It it reminds me of a few things. It reminds me, like, sort of like, there's something, like, very late 90s, early 2000s about it, like, like almost like taking a record company-created Nine Inch Nails ripoff and, Mm. like, putting them with, like, Trust Company or something. And it's got hand claps in it, which I always (laughs) like. But I... I, I think the thing that it reminded me of most was the yelling reminds me of Dave Grohl in the All About the Benjamins remix. Wow. <laughs> That's it's, a deep cut. Okay. I, But if you go back, the screaming is like, it's very similar. It's all and about I, the Benjamins! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I'll probably go back to this song every once in a while. I was so surprised that an Imagine Dragon song showed up on the list. And then I was kind of surprised what it sounded like. And it, it is sort of like, why did you guys do this? Like, whose idea was this? But I thought it was pretty good. Uh, the, the other guy who still does this is Jack White, where it's like his his radio songs have become so boring and, and, and so yeah. kind of stock, nothing. Like you listen to them and you you would you would think, okay, this guy's just not even trying anymore. But then he'll release a song to go with it that's just you know kind of sounds like it's the, the, you know it's taken from like the very like deepest reaches of Jack White's subconscious and it's like this is what this is what it actually sounds like to be Jack White and that's kind of funny and interesting even though no chance of it getting played by radio or actually consumed by a wide number of people but those are the songs that I like of his and these are the songs that I like of Imagine Dragons so I can't imagine this is a Mootlu favorite honestly to be quite honest with you no I wouldn't put this among <laughs> my favorites either <laughs> amongst R5 but I but I did actually I did kind of dig it too I kind of the production I like that you know the sparse production of it i could just key in on that part of it because you know there's something to be said for production i mean i love something that's kind of overproduced layered lavish strings and all that kind of stuff but sometimes i find something that's taking that more minimalist approach even more compelling and this is a track that kind of works with like three or four basic elements and it's kind of about how you put that together and leave that space i do actually like the uh tandem of the like more low-key verse vocal and then to the chorus vocal which you said was the Dave Grohl on the All About the Benjamins <laughs> yeah <laughs> remix style singing the, you're right he's like he looks like he's about to like like burst after he's done singing each line like he's yeah. but I kind of like that you like to see that kind of intensity I, I think it's a it's a fun track you know again not my favorite amongst the mix but but there's something compelling about it the, the Nine Inch Nails it reminded me of was Only do you remember that song sure yeah it reminds me of Only a little yes. bit 
This can't be a Jason song. No, it's it's certainly not a Jason song. Um, <laughs> Andrew being an Imagine Dragons apologist is like I, I it's, it's the, the most on brand thing. Like I if you if if Andrew, so you're not a fan of this song, but you're a fan of me being a fan yeah, of this song. Yeah, I, I if Andrew, if you told me you're like, ah, I don't really like Imagine Dragons, I would be really surprised. I like it, it's way more on brand that you're like yeah, you know, like they're better than people think. Um, <laughs> I I'm kind of with you in the sense of like Imagine Dragons definitely have some good songs. I can't I can't write for this one though, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> the the LeBron thing is there was a I feel like it was a Beats commercial or something once leading into the playoffs, and they had LeBron wearing headphones as he was uh, shooting like shooting around or something and there was an Imagine Dragon song oh. like ah. playing. It was a very it was a funny commercial. So. Wait, so is he actually a fan or nah, is, who knows? <laughs> we don't know. This is all you marketing. Know, he's, a, he's a fan of anything that's successful, I think. Le- LeBron's so, like taste is success, I feel like. So he, that's an interesting thing. <laughs> Sharp brought up Andrew Sharp texted me the other day because LeBron texted when DMX when the news came out that DMX was in a coma and he said this is my favorite LeBron because I can tell that like given his age, he probably actually really does love DMX and yeah. he's being genuine here. And every time I see like LeBron, you know, because I'm washed pretending I'm not washed too, just like LeBron. And every time I see him rapping some young person rap song, I'm like, all right, okay, buddy, whatever. I don't really <laughs> believe it. But I do believe that he loves DMX. So next one. Uh, let's talk about Justin Bieber. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to throw in this one. I, I almost threw in. So Justin Bieber actually scored a number one single last week on the Hot 100 with a different song called Peaches. Uh, mm. But Hold On is a song that came out a few weeks ago on his new album Justice that I really like. And I like the the album, and I I, I think Hold On is is one of its best songs. He, it, for to kind of give the backstory a little bit, he put out an album last year that was uh, an R&B album and it was definitely like a wife guy album. Like he was, he definitely was all about, you know, it's all about like how happy he is in marriage and how much he loves his wife and his, you know, wedded bliss and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I probably liked it more than others. Um, it didn't get great reviews, but he put that out last February in 2020. And then since then has put out a bunch more singles. He just is you know, obviously in a prolific period right now. And he kind of worked, he put out Holy with Chance the Rapper, which is about more wife guy stuff. And um, he put out a song called Anyone. And then he put out this song, Hold On, which is, sorry, my, my dog is, it's, is it's okay. my dog is crying because he, he loves this song as well. <laughs> get him a treat so that he can, uh, yeah. he can chill out while I talk about Justin Bieber. But, 
You know, the interesting. This is the first time somebody else's dog has been doing ape shit uh, on the pod. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Sorry. It's okay. Come on, Ben. What are you getting him? Uh, I'm getting him a greenie. And look at. Uh, look, can, I, can I show you? I don't know if this is going to make the pod, but can I show you where he's sitting? Yeah, sure. Sit. So greenies make give my dog diarrhea, so we can't give them to so him. So that's a big barker right there. Yeah, it is a big barker. There thing. it is. Aha. Uh-huh. Represent, represent. That thing. There it is. No headrest version. No, no headrest version. <laughs> so anyway, Hold On came out a few weeks ago and was basically kind of previewed the sound of the album, which is very like 80s inspired synth pop, very like cinematic, very much more like leaning toward traditional pop more than R&B. I think it really works. And I think that this song is just like, I, I really liked it the moment it came out and I've, I've played it a lot over the past few weeks. I don't think it breaks any mold or anything, but I just think it's like one of the most solid pop songs of the year. Um, I think Peach is the song that did hit number one and is a bigger hit than Hold On is much more of like a kind of summertime rhythmic R&B jam. Right. Um, featuring Daniel Caesar and Giveon. But uh, I like this one more, and there's a bunch of songs on his new album, Justice, that that sound more like Hold On that I really gravitate toward as well. I think it, it, it kind of sound it sounds like all these 80s synth-pop tropes are coming back in, in some form or fashion, and I, I think this sounds really good on him. Moot? Yeah, I really, really like this song. All right. Look at that. Yeah, this is uh, becoming a believer. Sorry. <laughs> um, that was terrible. That was terrible. That's uh, all right. That was a dad joke right there. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of in the uh, lyrical tradition of songs that are you just that thing about reaching out to someone or being there for someone. Sort of in the lean on me, you've got a friend. School. I'm not saying it's on par with those songs by any stretch, but but just in that spirit, in that vein of lyric right and I think this song is really good because it just feels like heartfelt it feels meaningful coming from Justin Bieber because you know he's someone who's lived his most of his life in the public eye under constant constant scrutiny constantly have every part having every part of his personal life sort of dissected you know just the thing of needing someone you can trust someone you can count on I imagine that's a lonely place when you are being constantly scrutinized like that so just it feels meaningful coming from and I love the 80s production vibe but it's kind of that like, chorus sound on the guitar you hear right away it ha- it just puts you in that in that place that sort of synth washed out kind of 80 sound so yeah this this was a really really cool tune i'm sort of surprised I don't, I don't know if i'm surprised that it took him this long to kind of find the sound or i'm just surprised that i never sort of pegged him for it before but Justin Bieber is kind of the one modern pop star that just has no sense of irony whatsoever. Like just doesn't yeah. even, I don't, I don't think like sarcasm would <laughs> oh, register yeah. with him. I don't think he's ever yeah. experienced it in his life. Just, just 100% sincerity all the way with Bieber. And the eighties were sort of the last great moment for pop pre irony. Like, like once, once you get to the nineties, it's kind of a different discussion. Uh, but the eighties, you know, and then there's that line of the chorus, like, you know, heaven, heaven is a place not so far away or whatever that line is that it's like, oh, that's, that's such an eighties song lyric. And it's so perfect for Justin well, Bieber. It's like, literally an, an eighties song lyric. Yeah, exactly. So, so, yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, it's a great sound for him. I, I'm annoyed that he released so many songs before this one from this album that like this one's not going to be a hit because uh, there were still like eight different songs that radio's playing of his that aren't this one. And now there's this Peaches song that's going to, going to kind of carry him through the summer. That's a shame. This is a great song. Uh, it's probably my favorite song on the album, and it's a it's, it's a very worthy pick for the CLRC. So, 
I'm not a huge fan of a ton of his songs, but I believe in Justin Bieber as like a, he will release the great one at some point. Like, I, I don't know when it will happen. He is sort of like, I don't like when he leans too hard into the R&B. I, like, I don't think he's good in there. I, I, think, I think he sounds better doing this than he sounds doing that. I think it's a good song. I, I'm not... I'm not like super blown away by it. I think the verses are more 80s than the, the hook is. The verses are almost very like power ballad yeah. and then the hook is the synth pop stuff. But even like, even the, the, like the guitar or whatever is being played in the verses is very 80s power ballad So I think it's a good song. I don't, again, I don't love it. And I think he has something coming at some point. I don't know when. You, that's been Maybe your theory his, for a while, That is that yeah. Bieber is, is working his way up. And Bieber and Miley, in, in your view. Miley, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're both, they're both child stars who I think never got to experience music like we got to experience music. And, and like we are watching their their childhood basically in their adulthood finding out all different kinds of music. I obviously Bieber had a more troubled existence it seems like than Miley did. I don't know. I now I'm worried you're right. He doesn't have a sense of irony. I'm worried about people. My dad doesn't understand sarcasm <laughs> either. And, well, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse for me because, like, I, yeah. I think it, I think it is the thing that his fans really gravitate towards is that he is sort of all out there and, and not reserved in any way, and you kind of what you see is what you get with him. But it also means that he has some of the worst fucking lyrics of the 21st century. On his right. Hits. Yeah. Uh, this this song is actually kind of safe from that I think maybe just because it sort of begins in a cheesy place already but he has other songs that sound pretty good like one of the songs from last year that Jason and I disagree on uh, pretty pretty vehemently is a song called Intentions uh, that just has it's, it's one of the best produced songs of the year but it has three or four lyrics where I'm just like this cannot be a serious thing that's on radio right now this is just too bad like disqualified and and a lot of his songs are like that but this one is, is sort of on the good side of it one of those li- you know who's a pop- one of those lyrics oh, is heart he's he's crooning to his 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 lovely wife heart full of equity you're an asset and oh, I don't wow. even think that's the worst lyric in the song. I think there's some yeah. lyrics on the verses that are even worse. It's, 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 it's something. Another very popular artist that wrote lyrics that bad and no sense of irony, Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz is, <laughs> Lenny Kravitz just wrote some, so just fucking horrible, horrible. I go back and I listen to, now he's got, I think Circus is a good album and he's got good songs, but, and aside from the, I want to fly so high, like a dragonfly very high, whatever that fucking <laughs> lyric was. But even when I go back to Let Love Rule, I'm like, oh my God, you are such a very dippy. corny, yeah. Yeah, Lenny Kravitz. I discovered recently uh, uh, won the uh, the best uh, male rock vocal Grammy four years in a row. A, really? Yeah, isn't that incredible? Unbelievable. He's, Barry yeah, Bonds he's, type streak. He's had a pretty dominant run yeah. in, in the charts. I would say like the the thing of not maybe understanding irony for this type of song though is actually a plus. Yes, because I, agree. I think it's part of what makes him deliver this song with such conviction. You know, but if you're if you're delivering lines like the ones Jason just said, was it heart filled with equity? That's yeah. then you're, you're an asset. That's when it turns on you. But in this song, you know that there's something just feels honest about it. Something feels real about it coming from him. Maybe even just knowing his story, it feels like uh, well, he has a line towards the end of the chorus where he says, "Because uh, I know what it feels like, you know, to be someone who's something effective. I know what it feels like to be someone who's lost their way." You you believe those? Yeah. You believe these lines yes. from him in this song? 
You believe, but not hard filled with equity. <laughs> I believe those songs. I'm, I'm, I'm believing and believing and believing and believing and believing. Wow. Um, I just had to go for it. Sorry. You have you have a heart full of equity. <laughs> a heart, full, a heart of full of equity. Wasn't there another line there? Heart yeah, full you're of an equity. asset. You're an asset. Something. Heart full right? of heart full, equity. And it, and he really sells it. He's like heart full of equity. You're an asset. It's like he's <laughs> oh not. My God. He's not messing around. He 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 believes that his wife, his heart, her heart is full of equity. Comma, she's an asset. <laughs> Well, maybe they can repurpose that for a financial investments yeah. commercial. Oh yes, then oh it'll yes. work. Then believe. Then he can believe it all the way to the bank. You know. Maybe. Oh my God. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I think Justin Bieber needs is more sinks and more money. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a Robin Hood app commercial. Maybe it would be. It seems like it would be perfect. Just the worst combination of lyrics and app and all that. Okay. Last song. Last song. All right. So this is Caliucci's. Telepatia. It's she. The Caliuchis is a. It's a really awesome R&B singer songwriter. She's super beloved on the on the Billboard staff. She had an album I think three years ago. Maybe, I think maybe three or four years ago called Isolation. That was you know, one of our favorite albums of that year. She's got a very big cult fan base, but she's never really had that kind of one song that sort of put her over the top on radio and streaming and kind of made her like a a star type artist. But she came out with this album at the end of last year called Sin Miedo. Uh, and there's a subtitle there that I don't, I don't totally know, but uh, it's mostly a Spang- Spanish language album. And so it didn't really get a ton of attention. Uh, you know, the, when, when these bilingual artists release Spanish language albums, they usually don't get the same sort of uh, you know, critical uh, discussion and they don't generate the kind of hits that the, the, their English language counterparts do. It's unfortunate, but th- this song, Telepatia, is on that album. And it started getting play on TikTok earlier this year. And, you know, this is, this is a story that I'm sure we talked about on this podcast before. Jason and I certainly talk about it every week at Billboard. But the, these songs kind of come out of nowhere and they, they catch on and they become like the soundtrack to a million videos on, on TikTok. And before you know it, they're crossing over to streaming services and then maybe usually radio after that. And they become the biggest songs of these artists' career. And that's sort of what happened here. Now, now the song is by far her biggest hit. Uh, and it's I think it's just a great it's a great summer song, but it's a, it's, it's a great kind of all year song and you know super cliche at this point to call a song a vibe like that that's that's becoming like what haunting was to music criticism 25 years ago <laughs> yeah. uh, like a vibe is to music criticism now that's what the song is like it, it's very chill it's very serene but it's it's also very involving it's very kind of you know uh not cathartic but like you get you kind of have a physical response to it it's just kind of transportive like, like you know there's lyrics in it about you know you know, just a flight away, and you, you kind of when you when you hear it, you kind of picture you know taking a flight, going somewhere exotic, or at least going somewhere. And, and, and there's sort of an escapism to it that I think sort of helped it become such a hit at this point in time. But you just kind of float along while listening, and then, and the, the fact that it's bilingual doesn't it's not distracting or jarring in any way. It actually kind of works with the song really really well. The the English to the Spanish language parts kind of flow in and out of each other in a really sort of natural way, uh, which is, is super cool and it's, it's sort of a testament to her artistry. And you know, we we also when we talk about TikTok, we talk like, well, is it a good thing or a bad thing for pop music? There's a downside to it as well, where you get artists like this guy, uh, Rip Momney, who has a, a hit cover right now of Corinne Bailey Ray's Put Your, Put Your Records On that blew up on TikTok and now crossed over to radio. Now it's one of the bigger hits of this year. And it's not an especially good cover. It's not really indicative of his sound at all. It's not, I'm sure, by any means the song he would want to be known for. 
but that's who this guy is now. He's the put your records on guy, and it's going to be really, really hard for him to eclipse that. So that's sort of the bad side. But this, I think, is the good side, which is this is just a really good artist and a really good song. And this song probably wouldn't have gotten the kind of mainstream looks that it would have otherwise if you had to kind of go through the traditional gatekeepers for it, because radio doesn't really play bilingual songs very often, and it doesn't necessarily fit on top 40 supernaturally. But because of TikTok, now it's one of the bigger songs of the year. And now doors are going to be open for Caliucci's. More people know who she is. Uh, and I think that's a super cool thing. So I, th- that's why I ultimately sort of see TikTok as a, as a force for good in this world. <laughs> that's another great quote. <laughs> I see a TikTok as a force for good. At least in the music world. I, I couldn't speak to the, the sort of international governmental implications of it. But uh, it, it's always funny to me when a cover gets really popular on the radio and I'm always like yeah because the song the original song was good yeah. it was like when Weezer covered Africa and it was like oh it's number one it's like yeah because fucking Africa it's, <laughs> right. it's like this amazing song Moo what do you think of this one yeah I really like this one this might have been my favorite out of the out of the five uh, I think just uh, it's something I've noticed with some of the songs you guys have brought in especially the last one was the SZA track that had, there's this trend towards songs that are charting now maybe it is because of this alternate route of going through tiktok and all that of these more kind of to use that term vibed out kind of atmospheric almost kind of psychedelic or just kind of washed out kind of sounds but you're hearing them in pop songs and this this track kind of has that that vibe but it, it just got that smooth swagger to it you know listen to this track puts me in the same Spaces when I'm listening to Sade, which is always a good thing, you know. Just <laughs> it's good thing to shoot. Chilling. Oh, now we're all gonna have to make love. Just, just chill it up. That's another CLRC line right yeah, there. Yeah, now we're all gonna have to make love. No, but uh, but I just I love the vibes. I love how she goes back and forth between English and Spanish. She sounds great in both in both languages, and she's just got this great like smooth, soulful timbre and delivery. Uh, this is this is just a really really cool song. I was trying to think of another song that I like that is not that like it reminds me of in in its non Englishness and it reminded me even though the songs are not the same but like Christine and the Queens the yeah. French stuff. That is a, a Jason favorite, I know. And even Tovsterke has yeah. songs that are that are not English and I There's something about it, like the the cadence of it is the right cadence and you're you're it almost feels like you can understand it a little bit and uh, and I'm a Big Spanglish, you know. I love, <laughs> I love going, going back and forth. I, I did not know that about you. That's that's a new thing I'm learning about your taste in yeah. music. Yeah. So I, I thought the song's pretty good. You know, it, it does seem like something I've heard before. Not, it, it feels maybe '80s ish or something. I, I can't quite place where I've heard it before. But I thought it was like a nice enough listen and a cool song. I'm glad it's popular. It seems sort of random to be. Uh, 
actually similar to this as a song. Seems sort of ran- random to be popular, but it's a a cool song. Yeah. I should know? say th- this one isn't quite as popular as the SZA song. Like that was like a top ten hit. This is like a top forty hit. But it's, right. yeah, it's it's still obviously much more popular than it would have been otherwise. Yeah, I yeah, I, cool I, I really I really like it as well. And and as you has said, we've talked about it and written about it a ton. I think. I, I do echo his point that like Caliucci's is someone I never if if you had told me and on January first that Caliucci's was going to have a solo top forty hit this year I I would have been pretty stunned. She's just a very left of center artist in, in a way that's that's really appealing to critics, uh, but not very appealing to like radio or even like having like you know a, a top hit streaming platform. But yeah, this one is connected. I, I can't wait to like. This song to me screams like, uh, like pool, like sitting yeah. poolside and just listening to yep. this on repeat. Um, I hope to do that. It's a very poolside. And actually, sorry to sorry to interrupt, but the, the song that it reminds me of the most is actually a song by a band called Poolside. It's a song called Slow Down. Yeah, it's, it's a fair. definitively poolside song. Um, but yeah, I, I just think to to AU's point, like it's you know we've definitely seen our our fair share of of songs that blow up on TikTok because of like a ten second snippet, and you're just like ah the the whole song is not great. Like it's just like I understand why right. this isolated point became a focus, and but it's not like worth digging into the song itself too too much. But this is like kind of the opposite, where the whole thing you taken as a whole is is really compelling and i i definitely wouldn't have expected it to have to be like the focus of a 10 second snippet that blows up but i i think the whole thing really works i appreciate you guys bringing us five new songs bringing us back in bring us into 2021 i'm actually i was thinking for an album Mulu actually brought a more current album to Carl Landry Record Club than Amazing. I even have. So Mr. I, I feel, I'm a '70s man. A lot of the yeah. Time, but, you know. So I, I have to feel one. So <laughs> you can you can read Jason's work at Billboard, and you can read AU's work at Billboard, and writes to RickySanchez.com. Uh, by the way, the Lou Williams article I did not give you like enough credit for it. AU wrote. If you might be a Sixers fan listening, AU wrote, <laughs> just a, AU wrote an article remembering the, ten, the the Lou Williams three pointer that beat the Heat in the playoffs ten years ago, which you've heard me mention a bunch of times. It's one of my favorite shots of all time. I was there for it, and uh, it's just a. There are some things that you write that only you could write as well as you write them, and that was one of them. Like that that shot, Mike doesn't give any credit to the wins that those teams had. And you do, you understand them in a different way. So I appreciate that. Chuck. Oh, thank that, you. For that saying that. I, I take that, that compliment very much to heart. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and, and back to you for, uh, for talking about it on the podcast, which is what inspired it in the first place. And that was a oh, really? discussion. It's, yeah. it's such a, I mean, it was on Easter. I fucking sent, there's a guy there with his family right behind us. It was a heat fan. I was like, get the fuck out of here. I said it to him <laughs> right with his family. I, I just very quickly, um, I remember watching that game at my grandmother's house with uh it was me and my dad and uh my family and my grandmother and my uncle and aunt my dad and i were the only ones who were sixers fans and when that shot went in we went absolutely bananas and and i remember my my grandmother uh who has passed away since then saying like 
oh, are they going to win this? Like, are they going to win the finals now? <laughs> and just being like, no, like they're not even going to win this series. It's the first round. They're not even going to get out of the first round. Um, but that was okay. It gets to yeah. the heart of like Lou Williams, man. He was. I was sad when he when he was no yeah. longer. He was so much fun to watch uh, as a scorer. I mean, he did things. He would pull out those shots that, like, wait, he made you know crazy like a crazy fadeaway, like yeah, you yeah. know, from the corner or just he he was just he was just a singular player. I think in the pantheon of of Sixers, Sixers players. His agent, his agent was Leon Rose. I don't know if it still is, but cost him a contract here and was telling him that he was going to get a lot more money than he did. And I think he signed for one year, four million or whatever to leave here. And his his agent was too busy uh, <laughs> with LeBron, shockingly. But um, it was actually, I think it was the first Easter my wife and I spent together or whatever. So we went to her her grandparents' house or something afterwards, I was wearing a light blue sweater with a pink shirt underneath it. So I look like a fucking <laughs> Easter egg. So, um, Good times. Thank you guys for uh, for coming by. And I uh, appreciate you spending the time. Thank you guys. Always thank a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Uh, our pleasure. All right, we're done. Moot, say it. Stay free, my goose. <laughs>